You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and this is my conversation with Des Fafara. He was in Cold Chamber and he currently heads up Devil Driver. The reason for the conversation is to promote Devil Driver's brand new album, Outlaws Till the End, Volume 1. Let's have a listen to what Des has to say and believe me, he shares plenty during this discussion. Here we go. Good, how you doing? Mate, I'm doing very well. It is a, uh, a balmy, I think it's about 10 degrees here at the moment in Queensland, which is the equivalent to about negative 10 degrees if you're in uh, somewhere else in the world at the moment, because we don't get I, I cold weather. I like that, yeah. I got, I got 80, 85 degrees and sunshine. I'm cooking in the kitchen and getting ready to go swimming. Mate, you're a man after my own heart. Cooking and swimming, they're two of my favourite things. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it's really rare that I'm off the road uh, at all during the summertime. But this year, I just told myself, you know, no more 280 shows this year. You know, I'm only, I'm only going to probably do about 40, 40, maybe 50 shows this year max. And that's it. I'm, I'm in creative mode. Yep. Uh, I'm taking care of family, taking care of health, and just kind of getting back to what's important. And then I can put myself out there for everybody else. Mate, you are a workaholic, so this is going to be my first question. How the hell have you survived up to this point? Because you, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm a prolific reader of the music media, okay, you've avoided a lot of controversy, you've avoided a lot of bullshit, and I rarely hear ex-bandmates or former bandmates talking shit about you. How have you done it? Well, I think I'm, I'm probably one of the most private people in the industry. I don't. I haven't really met anybody like me i should say yeah. like where I, I don't really give a fuck about the fame or any of that i just i just want to go do what i do and I, I love art i love making art i love playing shows live and if it can support my family then then cool but i don't get caught up in any of the other bullshit or any of the other drama and any of the extracurricular activities that i think ruin music ruin musicians and and uh you know and, and ruin the vibe so yeah, and and I and I find keeping myself driven. I, I suffer from ADD and ADHD horribly since I was a kid. But keeping myself active, keeping myself driven, uh, I run multiple multiple companies. I think that's an important thing as well. It it, it keeps you going. It keeps you driving. Um, and then you got to know when to put the brakes on, which is this yeah. year. I just I put the brakes on this year and said let's let's create art. Let's be home. I don't know what it's like to be home for you know, almost a year. I don't know, but I just, I just experienced it and it's fucking great. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I wake up every morning to my wife and she's beautiful and my dogs and my kids. And so, yeah, it's good. It's a good thing. Yeah. And the one thing that I've noticed about you that separates you from a lot of your contemporaries, you're a family man. Now, what I mean by that is I do follow your Instagram feed and a lot of that is activities related to your family when you're posting. And I really admire that because I am too. I've got two daughters and there seems to be this cliche in and amongst not just metal musicians but musicians in general that you're meant to be a road dog that you're meant to be a bit of a warrior out there basically living the peter pan syndrome but you you're not doing that you've got no a center and a balance i think you see that everywhere too i see the guy who's been divorced three four five times you know has the biggest one of the biggest bands on the planet this and that and is just you know what what is it like man i i i got offered a record deal with coal chamber and i turned it down for a year and a half because I didn't want, uh, I didn't want this life. I didn't want that lifestyle, and I thought that that the only way to go, if you signed a record deal, is to have that lifestyle. But I found a, a sense of balance, um, 
a little over 20 years ago when I met Anastasia. And she said, what do you really want out of this? I said, I want to tour. I want to do music. But God, I hate all the drama. I hate all the bullshit. I can't stand all the drugs. I can't stand all, all the bullshit. And so she said, cool, let's make it our mission. You just you make art, you tour, and we'll keep the family together, and, and we'll do it right. And I, you know, we've, we've come out of it a success. And there's not many that have in this industry. This industry tears families apart, uh, you know, you can talk all day about temptation, but you can only be tempted out there on the road by, you know, drugs or pussy if you let yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, well, I think I think I compare you to say, with all due respect to the man Tommy Lee. So I won't ask for you to make a comment on him at all because I'm not about that. But the stuff that he's been going through recently on Instagram with his sons, as I mean, I'm not going to use a word like heartbreaking because I don't know the guy. It's as simple as that. Tommy Lee, what's what's going on? My wife is telling me, hold on, what's going on? Yeah, I'm Italian. I got three sons. None of them are knocking me out. And I'm not saying <laughs> fucking one bad word about my kids. And my kids are not saying one bad word about me. I've never yelled at my children. I've never spanked my children or hit my children. I've never had to ground my children. I've been friends with my kids. We're, we're best friends. We were out last night skateboarding till fucking midnight. I mean, she had to call us and say, you know, when are you guys coming home? All my sons are in their 20s. And uh, and I said, we'll come home when we want to come home. We're out skating. You know, it's like, so to call, I don't even know how to comment on that. I just heard that. That's fucked up. I mean, it's fucked up for everybody. Look, a family is a family. Yeah, great. Yeah. Here's the wrong thing. I'm going to take to Twitter and talk about my kid or my wife. What the fuck is that? This is where social media has become the scenario for devastation. Yeah. It's just, it's fucking stupid. And everybody feels like they got to post everything. And I actually said to my wife yesterday, I'm getting off of all social media and I'm not doing another fucking interview in my life. All I'm going to do is music. Music. Yeah. And you know what she said? You know what she said? Greatest idea ever. After this record, let's do it. And I was like, cool. That's what's happening. So, that's where I'm going with it. I just want it to be fucking art. I want it to be pure. I just, and, and what a shame uh, that Tommy's going through that. You know, I, I've met Tommy many times and uh, he's a fantastic guy. So I hope that his, him and his family come out of that for the better because what a shame. No, agreed. Yeah. Maybe I better, I better talk to you about your new album because I'm really liking it. And I don't say these things unless I am genuinely doing it because I've long been. I've got to be careful how I say this because I don't like a lot of country music, but I admire the sensibility of country and Western music is probably the way to describe it, the musicianship. So what you've done here, I think, is admirable in so far as you've got a lot of impressionable listeners in your audience who won't have given country music a second thought, country and Western music a second thought. I reckon this album is going to act as a gateway because you've got the roll call, I'll just do quickly, Hank Three, Willie Nelson, The Eagles. Congratulations on that track. That's my favourite cut on the album. Johnny Thank Cash, you. Johnny Cash, of course. And uh, Steve Earle, who I've played, I'm a, I'm a covers musician, so I've played Copperhead Road probably a hundred times or thereabouts, so I know okay. the, the reaction right. that that gets, and a few others. But what was the inspiration behind creating the album? You know what? It was like I've always heard these songs heavy. Outlaw Country, the genre itself, has the most poignant lyrics and, and storytelling on the planet. Those guys, Willie, Waylon, Cash, Hank are like the lemmies of their genre. They never skewed their art for monetization. Whatever came to them, came to them because they did it uh, in real time, real form. And 
in America, I found myself explaining more to the UK audience, really, uh, and European audiences that if you come to America backstage, heavy metal, tour bus, back, you know, barbecue, you're going to hear Slayer into, ca- into Cash, Cash into Pantera, Pantera into Willie Nelson. Nobody bats an eye. Nobody even looks around like, oh, who changed the station? You know what I mean? So, and you see guys like with Johnny Cash patches next to Metallica, you know, like that's just par for the course here. And I've always heard these songs heavy. Um, and then the, probably the inspiration for it was two things. Uh, I have a picture of myself and Hank three in an old Chevelle. Uh, it's a drawing actually that revolver magazine did of him and I, he's in the uh, front seat passenger seat playing guitar and I'm driving like all just looking pissed off. And I walked by it and I said, okay, those two things need to be put together and not like everybody's been doing it, like do it for real. Uh, and then I had Monty Connor who signed me, uh, early on with roadrunner records, actually write me an email saying that he doesn't think this is a good idea for devil driver that it might be a better solo project that he doesn't think covering outlaw country for devil driver is good for the brand Mm. that's exactly when i pushed the fucking button on go (laughs) that's exactly (laughs) when i was like okay go you know this is a guy i highly respect this is a guy who started my career i highly respect him but this is also the guy that told me you know uh my third devil driver record uh, the last kind words was way too heavy and I had to go in and recut the vocals and I didn't, I put my middle finger up to the fan, up to the, up to the record company. When he said he had to think about commerce, I just said no. And now it's a fucking fan favorite record of devil driver. So you have to follow your own heart. And I think these songs needed to be done this way, man. It's like, I keep asking myself why I haven't heard anybody do this. Agreed. Um, that was what I was thinking as well, actually. You're the right. first person and, to and do. And I've it. heard bands cover. I mean, I've heard metal bands cover once in a while a, a song, or you know, I think like I think like even Bodum covered uh, Ghost Riders. I mean, but but if you hear the version, it's just it's obviously watered down. It's just not it's not it's not bully pulpit. It's not yeah. fucking heavy. And I had a lot of people come to me that. Uh, in the industry that were also not 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 as well, just saying like, hey, this may not be a great thing for your brand, but also, you know, you have a great chance here to skew your art. You could cross over into country. You could cross over huge onto active rock if you sing these big clean vocals. If you and I put my fi- middle finger up to all of them as well. I was like, you guys, none of you get it, and and everybody that's been emailing me or calling is concerned about monetizing art or how I could skew the art to build the brand. Like, I don't care if it fucking crushes, crashes the brand. I'm doing what I want to do. And I held my breath. And now, now what's happening is, is crazy. We're hearing 10 out of 10s, you know, record of the summer. Uh, You know, finally somebody's done something fucking new and different. Uh, Like it's been incredible, the feedback. So yeah, that's kind of, that's it in a nutshell, you know? Well, the quality of the guests is one thing. There's only one name missing that I would have loved to have seen you collaborate with, and you mentioned Outlaw Country Music specifically. I've had one conversation in the past with David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and I reckon you two would be a perfect match. Oh, I love David, and he's such a, he's such a kind guy, and he's always been so nice to me, even back in the day. And so that may be par for the course on the Volume 2, when or if that thing comes around. Yeah. Anastasia, Anastasia uh, is the manager of it for the Oracle Management, and she's the one that slashed uh, uh, Volume 1 on their last minute. And I'll tell you the reason, because by the time we went to hand in the record, I've had probably 15 phone calls of guests that wanted to join on. 
that had no idea we were coming to an end. And four or five of them are like in the biggest bands on the planet. So she said she was real smart. She slapped volume one on there like literally 24 hours before we turned in the artwork. Nice. Okay. All right. Now, it's rare that I get to talk to a musician whose music I've been following for the better part of, Jesus, mate, I think it's been 25 years or something like that. Can you believe that? I'm 40 years old. Okay, brother. It's all good. We've got a lot in common there. (laughs) So I always wanted to know, and look, forgive me here if I'm overreaching, um, but Raina Foss, I can't find anything about her anywhere. Is she still active or do you know what she's doing? No. Some, some, no. Uh, You know, without going into too much of her private life. We're talking about too much of her, uh, early mental illness and breakdowns and all sorts of things that went on in her life. And you can hear more by following Morgan Rose from seven dust, you know, cause he was married to her oh, for a long right. time yeah. and figuring, and, and he could probably tell you more, but no, she is no, mm. no. Well, it was interesting that Billy has come back with the pumpkins without Darcy. And I, I, I still hold out hope that you can do something with Cold Chamber again in the future because I, I love the band. And the first two albums have, uh, did have a big impact on me and they were easily my favourite metal albums from the late 90s, uh, particularly Chamber Music, which I, I don't know whether people really understood that album that well. Um, but I really enjoyed your, cut, your cover with Ozzy, the, the uh, Peter Gabriel track. So is uh, it- thank you very much. Are you likely to come back with Cold Chamber sometime in the future, or is it just one of those things that if it happens, it happens? Yeah, I don't know. Like, here's the deal. I waited 13 years to put that thing back together. We put out Rivals. That record was critically acclaimed. I took it around the world. We started the first show in Australia. Yeah. And when I when when they heard Loco, they went insane. Uh, you can't do anything in. I have 110 percent tattooed on my knuckles. It says 110%. I can't do anything unless it's 110%. Meaning, I can't take band members out if they're fucked up on drugs or alcohol. I can't take a band out if they're not playing properly, if they're not playing the right songs, if they're missing meet and greets, if they're if they're not with it. I waited almost 13 years to bring that thing back. I dumped a whole lot of heart and soul into it. I brought everybody from the managers to the agents to the record labels all to the fucking forefront to bring that back. And it was a crushing disappointment after a year of touring to know that they they couldn't keep up the touring. They couldn't. You can't get into a bottle of fucking vodka by one o'clock in the afternoon and think that you're going to do a show at ten o'clock at night. It's not going. And you know what, man? Like I, it's another reason I got sober off alcohol two years ago. It's not because I was a huge drinker, not because I woke up in the gutter, not because I slapped somebody one night. It was because I went, okay, cool, got to lead by example. So I'm not even going to have a fucking beer at night. How about that? Just a lead by example. And hope, hoping that some, you know, they would maybe follow me. Um, but no. And this goes into, you know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words. Uh, sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. And I'm the one that came up with the name. I'm the one that started the band. I'm the one that took the name out or the ads out for players. And in the end, my dream, the thing I started because it's with partners, I can't go out and fucking do it. So let me tell you what's happened. I finally, and this is, this is a, this is a conversation that could actually last hours, but we'll make it real fucking short. Mm -hmm. Most guys, Danzig, Rob Zombie, when they leave their bands, they play their songs. Rob was doing white zombie songs the day he fucking exited. Okay. I didn't do that to my fans. I didn't do that to my fans. I was like, I'm not going to do that to you. 
because I had hope. I held out hope that it would come back together. It did. 13 years later, it did. I waited 13 years to play Loco and the songs that made me who I am, that gave me a gold record, that supported my family. I waited 13 years, right? to find out that they can't continue, that they can't go on, that they're all still fucked up and in the same headspace. So now what's happening is I finally, I said to myself and my wife, everyone around me, I'm burying it. No, it is not coming back. Mm-hmm. The minute I step, the minute I step on stage with devil driver and do cold chamber songs, it's never coming back. I told me that I told Mike that I said, so you better get a hold of me. What they said was call the lawyer. Well, go fuck you, dude. How about that? So that's 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 where it's at right now. And when you're dealing with guys, when you're dealing with people that are partners that suffer from mental illness, literally, you can't get you can't get shit done. And so no, Devil Driver is I don't know if it's this year or the beginning of next year, but we've already begun rehearsing six Cold Chamber songs with full production and full you know, I'm bringing the balls to the table. And once and once I do that, uh, you know, even even putting on a bit of cold chamber for myself on stage, right? Like, there's going to be no going back because once people hear this, and we've had some of the people hear this at the at the rehearsal studios, and they've all said the same thing: "Oh, dude, these songs played by this band are the way these songs should have been done." Should have been like, done, yeah. Yeah, they're they're not half-assed. They're fucking ferociously on point. And now me playing playing these songs with these guys too has made me feel like in, reinvigorated. Like, oh man, okay, I can't wait till people hear. I mean, wait till you hear Loco with two guitars and double bass played on point, spot on. Yeah, you're gonna lose your mind. You'll lose your mind. You're so, right. <laughs> so there, there, there's the answer for that, man. And I wish I could be the person that would say, oh, it's definitely gonna come back and and give the fans some hope and all this other shit. But like, I'm just a fucking realist. Right. And life is short. Like if one of the reasons I took the last year off is I buried two of my best friends from high school in the last year and a half, two years. Like, and I realized, you know what? <laughs> life is short. I'm going to come off the road for a while. I'm going to spend some time with family. I'm going to reevaluate and, and everything else. And, and part of that reevaluation was the coal chamber scenario. Like, because we have a record deal on the table, we have all sorts of stuff that could move forward. I reached out and said, what's going on? And it was like my drummer said, I'd rather build houses and my guitar player, Meeks, would rather live with his parents. So fuck it. I'm, on, I'm doing Devil Driver and I'm doing Cold Chamber songs. And when I bring them, you guys are going to shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, mate. Look, I better let you go. Uh, just a, one point that I need to make. Are you cool if I release this as a podcast episode? Because I do host a podcast series. So we've talked about a lot of things. I just want to ask you for your permission before I do. If you don't want me to release it, I won't do it. You got my word on that. Absolutely. You can release it. I mean, everything that I said, the world's going to hear. And there's going to come a time very soon where I'm just, I'm probably going to stop talking and let the art talk for itself. And Good on you. And when that yep. comes, I want people to hear everything on the way up to that. And this is one of those interviews that people need to hear. Okay, brother, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for making the music that you've been making, and I hope to see you down here pretty soon. Uh, definitely. We're working on it. I, I think we're coming down uh, within the first three to four months of the year next year. Um, I've just talked to my agent about it this morning, so get ready. I mean, it's been a while since I've come down under, and it's like my second home, so I feel... I feel almost bad for not coming home. I mean, that's the deal, you know. And I don't, I don't. If you do, if you read interviews, I, I don't say that about the rest of the world, you know. No, oh, I know. I know you love it here. I know I really get that impression from interviews that I've read in the past. So, thank you very much, brother. I better let you get to the next one. 
All right. Take care, bro. No worries. Thanks, mate. Catch ya. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with ex-Cold Chamber and current Devil Driver frontman, Des Fafara. Thank you so much for listening.